0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi, this is James Ball. I write every week in The New European on what's happening behind the scenes in Westminster and across the world. If you'd like to enjoy more from The New European, do join us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Hello Snowflakes and welcome back to the New European Politics podcast from the people who bring you the New European. My name is Steve Anglesey, the editor of the New European. If you like what we do and you want to be sure of getting a copy of our newspaper and access to our online archive, you can subscribe at theneweuropeancouk slash subscribe. Coming up this week is the party over for a beleaguered leader with collapsing poll numbers. Yes, of course, it's Joe Biden. And we'll be talking about his struggles during a brutal first year in the White House with the great Bonnie Greer. And obviously, we'll be coming back to the thing we keep coming back to on this podcast, the dissembling, dishonest, delusional, disgraceful Boris Johnson and his dismal, decaying, deplorable administration. Who'd have thought the most offensive party in Downing Street wouldn't be the Tory party? I've got a playlist here of songs that were aired at the Downing Street party. I wonder if some of your favourites are in here. There, there was uh, Don't Stop Till You Get A Cough. There was It's My Party and I'll Lie If I Want To. There was We'll Never Live Like Common People. There was, of course, Elvis Costello's I Can't Stand Up For Failing Lockdown. We had uh, My Corona. We had U2's Where The Downing Streets Have No Shame. There were some Beatles hits as well. There was I Wanna Hold Your Hand Cop. One You might know from the new get back tv series there was dig a crony of course in the early days of the beatles one of their early songs that uh, was played at the parties, please sleaze me then there was wham's immortal summer holiday song which is always a favorite of christmas do's and it club tory caners drinks are free and finally they played the old party favorite uh aga do 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 whatever the hell we like while the rest of you all stay at home locked in your cupboards A word about our own Christmas party now. The New European will be releasing a special podcast on the 16th of December, and then we'll be taking our own lockdown until January the 6th. So listen out for that podcast. And if you want to make sure of getting a copy of The New European in the new year, as well as access to our online archive, please do subscribe at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Now, it's my great pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, the playwright, novelist, pundit, and New European columnist, Bonnie Greer. Her column in issue 272 of the New European on Joe Biden and the minister our government has sent to negotiate with him is an absolute doozy. But before we get to all of that, Bonnie, just your thoughts on the events of this week are huh? Lockdown-breaking Christmas party—they pretended didn't exist. A video of Downing Street staff laughing about being able to get away with it all, and a rattled Prime Minister throwing his own staff under the bus to stop his own MPs throwing him under the bus.
2: You know, Stephen, the Conservative Party can survive. Boris can survive. I mean, there there are there are people in this country, at least people I've encountered, who everybody you know. My, my feeling about the British, uh, the British are inherently decent. Americans are not decent people. There are other things. They're not what we call decent. I think British people are decent. British people will go like, that. that's just not right. And, and, and you know what they mean. Um, and I don't care what political stripe they are. I, I think there's a decency in this country. Boris is not a decent person. I'm not saying that the people who work with him or for him are not, but Boris isn't. And he's demonstrated that time and time again. So that indecency is very attractive to people who are decent because those people will never be like Boris. So it's like looking at a villain, you know, somebody who always gets away with it. That's very tempting to the British people. They love people who get away with it. They don't like it. They want that person maybe, you know, done with. But, you know, what comes to me immediately is that character, Alan Bastard. You know, Mm -hmm. that comes to me immediately is the guy in Yes Minister, The Minister. Um, Shakespeare wrote about guys and women who got away with it. A lot of British literature, especially English literature, a lot of it is about people who got away with it. I mean, most people won't get away with it because the country, the culture is decent. So they won't do it but it sure is amusing to watch somebody get away with it. Boris gets off with it and he gets away with it every time. And he's doing it now.
1: Well, I was going to ask you about these people who get away with it or people who are just, you know, liars. And uh, it's great that you you talk about British examples and I guess, I guess Del Boy from Only Fools and Horses is a a great example of somebody who gets away with it. yeah. Boris Johnson is more like George Costanza, though, I think. He's becoming a, a sort of an increasingly hapless liar whose who's lies but, are, are beginning to to, uh, to to mount up, you know.
2: But, you know, again, I go back to the, the you know, the culture of the guy who gets away with it. I mean, people, you know, Steve, people are smart enough to know he's lying. I mean, he looks like a liar. He talks like a liar. He doesn't even, you know, Boris bumbles, fumbles and everything. They know he's lying. But there is, I guess, a punter... Vibe in this culture where people are just like, How far can he go? You know, because most people aren't going to go, are going to do that. Most people aren't going to go down that route. Most British people aren't going to do that. I don't care what political stripe they are, they're just not going to do it. But Boris walks, goes to the waterfront, okay? And people like it. They like looking at it. That's why they like motor racing in this country. Why you got great, probably the greatest drivers are here. You know, this is great stuff. So Boris exemplifies that in politics, and uh, that's what they love. It's culture.
1: We were just talking before before we started here. We were talking, and, and I know that in your own personal life, you've been following the lockdown rules, and that's you know, there's been some hardship involved there. Clearly, mm. I was away from my fat a lot of my family last Christmas. Does this does news of this Christmas party? Does it make you particularly? angry, or do you just think it's par for the course now, knowing what we all know about Boris Johnson?
2: This is what Boris does. And see, I think what's so, I guess I was gonna use the word sad, but maybe I don't mean that. You know, either get rid of him or, you know, suck it up. I mean, I, I mean, I hate saying that, but it's not an in-between. You can't sit in between this. You either get rid of the guy or suck it up. People can talk around him and talk about him. Boris is like Trump. In fact, Biden, Joe Biden has called him the emotional and you know physical clone of Donald Trump. These people have no moral compass. They got no parameters. I'm not a psychiatrist, but there is a psychiatric term that's been applied to Trump, and maybe it's true of Boris. They're called malignant narcissists. They've they've got no no bound. It just doesn't, the stuff we've got, they don't have it. You know, it's like that kid in the American film, The Bad Siege, you know. I mean, they just don't have stuff. And you, you know, we can we can talk about Boris and he it's not there. So you either get rid of him or you endure him. You know, he's gotta go, but then like I say, he's an has great entertainment value for a lot of people. And he shields a lot of so, sort of skullduggery and um and you know, just plain wrongdoing. That people who are less scared than, more scared than he is, are doing. Boris doesn't care. Boris, I tell you, Boris, his dream job would be to be able to write his books so that he can dominate the airwaves and he can talk and be the prime minister without doing any of the work. If he could have that, he can make his pronouncements like, like, like Trump. If you can make the pronouncements and make the world jump and all of that, and then be at his house and collect his money. Ideal life for this guy. I mean, he called himself when he was a little boy, world king. And he's not joking. So this is a situation in which I think, and it's true of America, and maybe it's true of France right now with Eric Zemmour looking like he's gonna be on the horizon, where a national consensus or national consciousness has to look at itself and see what are we made of and who are we right now. And I don't see anybody leading that discussion or even shaping it in the airwaves or anything else. I mean, I may be wrong, but that's the question that has to be answered or dealt with. And it just isn't. And so therefore, Boris will continue his skullduggery and chicanery and everything else. And he doesn't even know he's doing it. See, that's the other part of it. He doesn't know he's doing it
1: well i wonder whether his own party will be you know step in and replace him with somebody who is um equally sinister but 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 outwardly a bit more competent and perhaps less uh, perhaps less media friendly but uh, but more competent you you've written this week about a, a blunder which has gone under the radar in the light of, in the wake of all of these other blunders, the Christmas party blunder, the the, uh, the, the the Owen Paterson stuff, that was, it seems like it was, it seems like it was years ago now. It was a couple of weeks ago that Owen Paterson <laughs> had to go. This enormous gaff is is something that you've written about this week. Now, it's, I, I could understand why if you were a Tory minister, it would be a good time to be away from Westminster. But just explain why sending the new International Trade Secretary um, out to um, to convince Joe Biden about a, a trade deal um, with the the UK. <laughs> Just explain why you're open mouthed about what's happened there.
2: Well, you know, um, I, I came of age on Saturday Night Live, which I you know, NBC show in the States, so people probably know. And at the beginning, there's this thing called the cold open, where The show does not announce itself. It's just something happening. So this is this situation is a cold open for Saturday Night Live. So picture it. There's Joe Biden, you know, more openly Irish than JFK was, Uh, then Ronald Reagan, who was also Irish, then Barack Obama, who's also have Irish uh, ancestry. So this guy's whole career, 50 years of his whole career has been built on, I'm Irish. He even tells the BBC he's not gonna talk to them because he says to them, I'm Irish. He recites Seamus Heaney all at the drop of a hat because he's Irish. All right, most Irish Americans immigrated to Ireland because of the, of the famine uh, and, and, and you know the horrors of the famine. So this is, this is the joke. So with the present prime minister of the United Kingdom, you know, nicknamed Bojo, decides to send over as the person to do the trade deal with the United States, which, the, which Britain desperately needs, is somebody with the last name of Trevelyan. Now, she, Anne-Marie Trevelyan, is the ex of a man called John Trevelyan. John Trevelyan is the descendant of a man, the man, who was the administrator during the Irish famine, okay? So Joe Biden is getting a Brit call and he calls British people Brits, which is not a compliment, maybe he thinks <laughs> it is. Um, he, he gets a Brit called Trevelyan, okay? So she comes bopping in and then on Saturday Night Live, what would happen would be the door of the Oval Office was slamming her face with a big shamrock on it. And it would say, I'm Irish. And then somebody would pop out from behind and say, "It's Saturday night," and then the orchestra would start off, and people would start laughing and clapping. But this actually is for real, and who knows what's going to happen?
1: It is quite incredible. I mean, the people like Boris Johnson plainly don't understand how Irish Americans feel, do they? Or 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 is this just? Is this not some? Is this something that would travel? Under the radar of most Irish Americans, is it is it just something that would be felt by by somebody who knows the history of it, like Biden?
2: Yeah, and that's enough, isn't it? I mean, somebody would tell him, you know, that name, and he'd know anyway. And and you know, it's not it's not random. She actually was married to the descendant. Her kids are Trevelyan's. Okay, mm. now you can say, um, you know, it's not her fault. It's not his fault. Her husbands they didn't have anything to do with this. But there's the name. You know, it's like, I mean, I don't even know what the equivalent would be. Um, sending somebody to, the, to Israel whose last name is, uh, um, you know, Himmler or something. I mean, you know what, they wouldn't do that. That's just stupid, it's dumb. Nevertheless, this is being done by the Boris Johnson government. Now maybe they think, so what? And maybe they're right. However, the Taoiseach is the only head of state president who has a standing invitation to the Oval Office, the only one. So, you know, all of that goes into the cooking pot, as, they, as my mama would say. And this is an example where we are. It's just, it's just the, an own goal of such monumental proportions that it sounds like a gag on Saturday Night Live. It really does.
1: Yes, and I wonder if it's something to do with the... With the amount of ignorance there is uh, in this country, um, clearly they don't teach you this, these kind of things at Eaton about the uh, about the great hunger or the uh, the great famine or or, uh, or however it's it's called, um, however it's it's described. Um, are there things that, that Johnson can do to to put his relationship with Biden back on an even keel, or or is he just too tied up with Brexit and trying to dodge out of the Northern Ireland protocol and too tied up with Trump for Biden to even bother about?
2: I think that uh, Joe Biden's already figured, you know, Boris out. I mean, probably did that a long time ago, because remember, Joe Biden spent almost his entire career <clears throat> on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. And he was even chair at one point. He's a diplomat by nature. He knows all these people he knows. And he also knows that, that Boris Johnson is the prime minister of the United Kingdom, you know, legitimately elected by the people of the United Kingdom, he is their will, or our will. So he's not going to go around and, you know, badmouth him or say he shouldn't be there. He's not going to take the guy seriously, like, like Macron, you know, Macron says he's not serious. You know, when the French person says you're not serious, that's with a lot of expletives attached. Okay, so um, they just don't take him seriously. So, In fact, actually, during the uh, Trump administration, when Theresa May, and this was live on on the news, when Theresa May announced that Boris Johnson was gonna be the new foreign secretary, actually the State Department official who announced it started laughing. (laughs) So, you know, that's not what we want. You know, we don't want that. We want a prime minister uh, who people take seriously, who is a serious player on the world stage, you know, now that we're in this catastrophe called Brexit, we need things, you know, seriously taken. And Boris just isn't. And he just isn't. And it's it's not it's not good enough. And it and and it makes the country, Steve, more insular because if you have a coterie of people who say it doesn't matter what they say, who cares? Mm-hmm. They, you know, it just makes it worse. It, it does matter what people say about Britain. Britain, I, I have a, a very close friend who works for the European institutions. And I mean, there were people crying when Britain, Great Britain left, because our country was the country that stood up for diversity. Uh, whenever anything crazy was going on in Europe, when the British entered the room, you know, it's the whole James Bond myth. I mean, Britain was the, the person. Britain was the sane people in the room. Britain were the people who could point out the saying, hold on a minute, da daddy- da da until Nigel, Nigel Farage and his crew showed up. But before that, Britain was the one in the committees of Europe, at the table of Europe, that was considered the sane senior partner. And it's a shame. It's just a shame.
1: Uh, it must be said that 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 Biden himself is 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 not doing so great. Or we can talk about we can talk mm. about whether whether he is doing you know, what he is doing that's that's been good. But you know, inauguration day, there's fifty three percent approval there. We when we're at what three hundred and twenty five days now, we're mm-hmm. he's, he's at forty three percent approval. He's at fifty-one percent disapproval. It's the, mm-hmm. the second worst of the last ten presidents. It's the only one worse is, is Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, Carter and Ford, who didn't get reelected, had much better numbers than Biden mm-hmm. it, yes. at this stage. So, so what's this all about? Because um, because we 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 don't you know. We, I, I think we is it, It's probably time to worry about the return of Donald Trump. Maybe.
2: Well, you know, first of all, you know, as you know, we have been living for the past decade and a half in a 24 hour news cycle. Okay, so everything is breaking news. So if you're a journalist, if you're in the news business, you're breaking news all the time. If you don't break news, you're out of the game. All right, so these, you know, journalists, reporters are scrambling for breaking news. The second thing is that Donald Trump was so awful, so hideous. That people who generally don't vote for the Democrats voted for him, which is why, you know, the Republicans are so traumatized because they lost the suburbs. Uh, they lost the white suburbs. And then that was the end of them. What Joe Biden is confronting is a once in a century pandemic. It is a pandemic. It's inf- uh, uh, infecting and affecting everybody all over the world. I always tell people its first name is Nouvelle. Which means they've never seen this coronavirus before. This has never happened before, so they got no playbook. They got nothing. They got bumpkins as they say in New York. bunkers. They got nothing. Nothing. Okay. Number two, the guy becomes pre for the guy becomes president in the middle of a lockdown. We're sick of being locked up. We're sick of being inside. We're sick of not going out. Just sick. Period. Tired of it. Bored. So number 5 he's got a he's got a a a house that is split down the middle two senators who are wavering which is his majority and so he can't get his bills through to the upper chamber so he can sign them he he got a a a bill signed by the last president who said basically we're going to leave afghanistan so you know we leave it how do we leave it you know do we leave it clean You know, there was no way we're going to leave it pretty. That wasn't going to happen. There wasn't going to be any handshakes. There wasn't going to be any handover. That was never going to happen. Now, is it a good? It was it good the way he did it? No, no, it wasn't. People saw the worst stuff that they had seen. You know, if you were old enough to be around since the fall of Saigon, it Mm. was horrific. Okay, to look at, but that was the ticket he got. And he would either honor it and do it, or say, "No, I'm not going to do it." And who knows what that was going to be? But we do know that a lot of U.S. cash was going down the money hole. U.S. lives were going down the money hole. Uh, the president of Afghanistan got out of Afghanistan with a whole lot of money, um, and it was just, you know, a basically mob operation, and and I mean mob by the mafia. And meanwhile there are human beings, there are human beings there who are gonna have to endure the Taliban, who are gonna now have to figure out how to feed that nation because they're on the verge of starvation. This is what Joe Biden inherits. This is what he's got. Now he can stand up there and say, if he was Trump, he'd do it. Look, you know, this isn't me, people. This is the last guy. You know, he gave me this thing, What am I supposed to do? Right, I got to honor this or I got to send in more troops and fight these guys in the hills, okay? We haven't got any way to beat these guys except that we nuke the country and start over. I'm not doing that. You don't want me to do that. But it's the other guy's fault. No, Biden says what Truman said. The buck stops here. I want to be the president of the United States. This is what I inherited. I got to carry it out and he did. I'm not saying he did it the right way. I am i wouldn't have done it that way. But you know what, Steve? I wouldn't have stood to be president of the United States. I mean, most of us will never stand for office. We won't be bothered with going through that crap. And he did. So he got people out. It's bad, it's horrible, but he got. he ended it. He ended that war, which is the longest war the United States has ever been involved in. And we have a press, I'm sorry to say, that is 24 hour news cycle. You know, you don't get paid to say nice things about politicians or good things about them. You don't don't get paid to do that. You get paid to analyze them slash criticize them because that's entertainment for people like, you know, ordinary people. They're not gonna, they don't wanna read the good stuff because that's not interesting. What's interesting is the conflict. What's interesting is the bad stuff. Uh, So we need, the press needs to keep doing that. And that's called breaking news. I'm not putting the press down because, you know, that's, they provide a service that is essential for us, but they're caught up in an infotainment cycle that we, the punters, demand of them. We want to be entertained because we have a media in which we're talking now. We're in the mix. We can say our opinions now. We can drive a news cycle. We can create a news cycle. So we're part of it. So now you've got this guy, Joe Biden, who's actually, if you, know, if you, 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 you take the dust away, he gave Americans enough money to keep them on their feet. Um, Mm -hmm. he's trying to get an infrastructure up. And I agree with some people who are, you know, call themselves progressive, that, you know, social, the social issues are also human infrastructure. So he's got to deal with that as well. But uh, I think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing the job that was handed to him. Anybody who calls him, uh, you know, thinks he's, he's past it or whatever. This guy is a shark. This guy is ruthless. He's 100 times fitter than the last guy and he's older. So don't buy the Biden is past it uh, routine because you're gonna be sucked into another sucker play, which um, you know aspects of the right wing media and the left media want people to be in. This guy is as ruthless and focused as they come. He is a stutterer, so when he speaks, He speaks in a certain way because he's trying not to stutter and anybody who's ever been around a stutterer my father was a stutterer you know how people what they do with their throats you know especially when they're people who are big people and they're trying to be in command you know what they're doing with their throats what they're doing with their brain they're listening to themselves all the time they're checking themselves so he's giving us a lesson in a person who's who is working with something that a lot of people in America and Britain have, they stamp, they stammer. And so I think he's, you know, he's a great guy and he's standing up making speeches, that that's not easy. It wasn't easy for my father. He found ways to do it. We can think about George the Sixth and what he had to go through. And Joe Biden is the president, the most powerful man on earth and he's able to work with his
1: stammer. Mm-hmm. Do you? I mean, it's we're eleven months out from the from the the midterms now. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's, he's been to the the midterms as as Obama's um, as Obama's vice president, and, and he, you know they took it in the their first midterms. The, the Tea Party was raging. They, they took a, a what they, what it was described as a shellacking.
2: They lost 68 seats.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, it's, the, 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 the maths look really bad for them next mm-hmm. time. Do yes, you, it does. If, if it's another shellacking, do you think he would run again or because of, of everything you've said about his character? Or do you think he might be persuaded to, to slip away?
2: The, the, the midterms are always a, a referendum on the presidency. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, tradition is what they call the president's party. Whatever party that is, loses. Mm. I, I don't even know. I'm trying to think, I'm not an historian on this, but, you know, it you generally go, the president's party gets done yeah. um, because it is a referendum. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, Barack Obama lost so many seats. That people thought, well, he's going to lose the presidency, isn't he? And in fact, there was a meltdown on Fox TV with Newt Gingrich when he found out <laughs> Obama had won. Megyn Kelly had to actually escort him on camera, back behind the camera, which is like verboten. But she had to take him to their situation room where they do Fox does their statistics. These, those were neutral guys back there. They were pros. They had no, you know no preferences, and they had to show Newt Gingrich on live TV, yeah, Obama won. I mean, Gingrich literally had a meltdown. So, you know, what's gonna happen in 2024, it doesn't tell you what's gonna happen in 2022. You know, Donald Trump is like like Boris. I mean, we should never underestimate his intuition about his country. Donald Trump knows something very fundamental about the United States. He knows about white uh, fear. Hmm. He knows about white flight. He knows about um, the so-called little people, although he's not one, but because he's been on TV, he knows how the little grief, the grievances they hold against the elite. He knows about the fear that white men, you know, and I'm putting that in quotes, white men have about the future because if you put yourself in the white man box which is about I'm the best I'm superior blah 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 your thing is over okay so he knows that and he knows that he can conjure up the last dregs of that because the United States is becoming a majority minority country just like this country is Mm -hmm. becoming so Trump is a formidable opponent, but whether he can be president of the United States again, I really doubt it. I really do. First of all, he's a lazy SOB, although this would get him up off his duff duffer, but I, you know, the only way he can make it, Steve, they are already really, really busy gerrymandering the districts, making it really hard for people like me and other people of color, you know, poor people, students, uh, people born, you know, they're making it really hard for us to vote. So that's how they're going to do it if they do it. But I don't think they'll do it.
1: Well, let's just end by talking one more question about Trump because I've kept you far too long. No, no, pleasure. no. Keep,
2: I love talking it's about this. It's such this a, a really pleasure important. talking to you. This is important. you but too. I think
1: I think that if you, you know, if you're somebody who watches American politics through through social media, you might be expecting where you know he's, he's been gone for how long now, 10 months. Mm. People were told that by now he'd be in jail, his family would be turning evidence against him, his businesses would all be going to the wall, there'd be lawsuits against him everywhere. This its all turned out a bit a bit like the su- supposed fall of Logan Roy in, in succession. He was supposed to be going down and he didn't go down and Donald Trump hasn't gone down. Why has Donald Trump not gone down so far?
2: Oh, I'm glad you said so far. because (laughs) Donald Trump is, well, I'm a former New Yorker too. And Donald Trump is what they call a wise guy. He's as close to being a mafia mind as anybody you can think of who's not in the mob. I'm from Chicago too, so I know a lot about the mob. Trump is basically a gangster. He has a gangster mentality, and I don't mean the you know people out in the street calling themselves gangsters. I'm talking about the the mob. Trump knows where the bodies are buried. He knows how most people roll, but Trump has done people out of their wages. Trump has lied about people. trump has you know he's 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 done smoke and mirror operations trump Trump's daughter even had. A company, her most of her stuff, and some of his stuff under the Trump name, was made in China. When he was putting China down, mm. so you know Trump was, the, and now his, his 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 stupid chief of staff, Mark Meadows, I guess that's why he was able to get his book contract. Has put in the book that Trump was sitting up in a t-shirt, shaking and sweating and everything while he had COVID. They had to actually get authorization from the top medical advisors in the United States so he can take these exotic drugs. They had to a medivac, it's called medivac. When you put somebody in a helicopter and you have to fly them to the hospital, that's how on that the edge Trump was. He couldn't talk. If you look at the picture of Trump heading for the helicopter to, uh, to uh, Walter Reed, somebody was carrying his briefcase because he couldn't even carry the briefcase. It's all in the book. Now. The Godfather will let you think that that's all, so what? I mean, if you look at Godfather Part One and look at the way Marlon Brando plays this, this is Trump. Trump is a mafia head. Now, that, and, you know, that kind of guy knows how to come out on top because he knows how to intimidate, he knows how to lure, he knows how to conjole, all of that. I think that that's one of the reasons he hasn't. Oh, I'll tell you the biggest scam, Steve, his master scam, that even Don Corleone wouldn't do this. Trump has MAGA. And now these these people are ordinary people, you know, good people, who are being made to feel frightened, who are being made to feel like, you know, they're being replaced. That's the great replacement theory that somehow white people are going to be like gone. And so they're being frightened. So they take their hard-earned pennies and they work hard to put into a support Donald Trump. Donald Trump using their money to pay off his lawyers, okay? All the people who are suing him, all the stuff he's trying to do, all the stuff that's gonna keep him out of various and sundry. These people are paying for his lawyers. Now, Don Corleone wouldn't even do that scam, but that's what he's doing. So Trump survives because he lives off the land. That's why he's not gone, but he's going to be gone because if Biden I think I'm putting my money on this if Biden says he's going to run again the next campaign is going to be the nastiest thing you have ever seen two old guys going at it two I mean and and I'm telling you Biden is a street fighter Trump is Don Corleone sitting back there pulling the strings Biden will meet you in the street and so that's what's going to happen and I can't wait because it's
1: gonna be fun. That's a fantastic place to leave it. Thank you so much, Bonnie Greer. Thank you, Steve. you can read Bonnie Greer on Joe Biden and Anne-Marie Trevelyan in issue 272 of the New European. It's available at news agents now. You can read all Bonnie's columns for us by subscribing at the new slash subscribe. Why wouldn't you? My thanks again to Bonnie Greer. You can read Bonnie on Joe Biden and Anne-Marie Trevelyan in issue 272 of The New European. It's available at newsagents Now. You can read all of Bonnie's columns for us by subscribing at theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. Please check out her column about Billie Holiday. That's one of my absolute favourites in our archive. What the Hall of Shame, a reminder that Charlie Connolly's Great European Lives podcast is available now. It tells the life stories of amazing Europeans in short 10-minute bursts. It's a brilliant listen. It's available wherever you've got this podcast. Please do check it out. So finally we come to the Hall of Shame. You know, the drill. Put putrid pundits are in here, pompous politicians are in here, things that get my goat generally are in here. It's a oh it's a difficult choice this week. But Marc Francois. Is in the hall of shame. Uh, not heard from him for a while, have we? But little Mark Francois, the MP, has self-published his Brexit diary um, after it was rejected by several mainstream publishers. Why was it rejected? Well, because according to Mark, it's all because the publishers are horrid Ramoners, and it's nothing to do at all with the fact that Faber and Faber don't normally accept submissions which are consist of alphabetti spaghetti letters just glued onto a page. But amazingly. When you try to buy uh, Spartan Victory now from that nice Mr Bezos's website, you'll see a banner on there, and it is hailing Marc-Francois' book as an Amazon number one bestseller, vindication for Marc-Francois. But you look a little closer, and Spartan Victory by Marc-Francois is actually number one in the section of books about publishing, where it doesn't belong. Books about publishing, it's not a book about publishing, it's a book about a very small man and what he did during his Brexit holidays. But having been listed in this obscure section, books about publishing, purely accidentally, of course. It's beating works like David Kadavi's Digital Zettelkasten Principles, Methods and Examples. What is Digital Zettelkasten? Who is David Kavadi? I don't know. Marc Francois is better than him, though. It's also beating a book listing all of Tom Clancy's books in chronological order. It's not really a high bar, is it? In the list of actual political biographies, the last time I looked, just before I started recording this, Marc Francois's book is actually number 39. And what a perfect metaphor all this is uh, for Brexit. Massive talk, big claims, and then actually, when you look at it, very little success. And have you noticed that Marc Francois Already florid complexion can become even more flushed when he's vexed by criticism of Brexit. Now, this has led to the MP being compared to a piece of gammon. And, of course, this is a ludicrous, unfair comparison. One is an inanimate lump of meat and the other is a piece of gammon. But nevertheless, Marc Francois, the ERG's own scrappy-do, might find it ironic that leaving the EU is going to lead to a shortage of gammon at Christmas time. It's true. Many butchers from the EU have returned home and despite a government U-turn which uh, tried to bring 800 butchers back temporarily to process labour-intensive pork products, the a, a pattern is emerging here because people didn't want to come and only a handful of people are, are expected to arrive in time. Not 800, you know, it, it might be less than 100. The products that require more butchery Christmas treats like gammon and pigs in blankets are being sacrificed in order to get more things on supermarket shelves. Nick Allen said that. He's from the British Meat Processors Association. So in short, don't expect gammon to be a bestseller this Christmas. Unless, of course, it's accidentally listed in the section of books about publishing on Amazon. Now, alack, egad harumph, it's on Corner. In her terrible column in the terrible Daily Express. The terrible Anne Whitaker writes about the terrible Michelle Moan. She's another of the Conservatives' terrible celebrity peers. Some kind of bra disruptor, wasn't she, Michelle Moan? I can't really remember. Anyway, she was in the news this week because of texts from her that have emerged uh, where she is calling a man of Indian heritage, she called him a waste of a man's white skin. And people said she was racist. Um, Hmm. And Widdicombe writes, I reckon all the texts show is that she is deluded. In one, she claims to be a smart, bright individual. And then she goes on to show that she does not know how to use an apostrophe. Her vocabulary is laden with profanity, because that's what we should really be prioritising here, isn't it? Swearing and not being able to use an apostrophe, not being a racist. Matt Hancock is in the Hall of Shame. He's on the rehabilitation trail, isn't he? And he was um, on ITVs this morning talking about uh, being dyslexic. Matt Hancock is dyslexic. I didn't know that. And Philip Schofield said to him, was it your dyslexia that meant you misread the social distancing rules? And I do think that when the ruling party is being owned by Philip Schofield and owned by Anton Deck, it might be time for the electorate to change channels and see what the other side's like. But foremost in the Hall of Shame this week is Boris Johnson. Of course he is. And I could pick any number of reasons why from the last week, and you all know the reasons why. The one that comes to mind right now is the fact that he used quite a bit of his COVID Plan B press conference. You know, the press conference he wasn't going to hold, the the Plan B he wasn't in favour of until the Elecora Stratton video came out. That press conference, he used a chunk of it to praise Allegra Stratton I mean read the room (laughs) read the read the nation people were sickened by Allegra Stratton's behavior in that video and a few hours earlier Boris Johnson had said he was sickened by it too and then you know he spent considerable time in his press conference praising her and yes I know she cried and she was upset but everyone knows she'll be named Lady Stratton in his resignation honors which I do hope come soon so maybe that will be some consolation The really telling thing, I think, though, that Boris Johnson said about Allegra Stratton was this. At COP26, she was the first to coin the phrase coal, cars, cash and trees. And that's him in a nutshell, isn't it? Slogans instead of actual proper thought through policy. Slogans instead of standards. Sloganeering instead of statesmanship. Boris Johnson's wife's just had a baby girl, of course, and my pre-Christmas wish to them is that Boris Johnson soon gets a lot more time to spend with his family. All his families, in fact. That was the New European Podcast with Steve Anglesey. Thanks to Bonnie Greer. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to our producer, Ellie longman Road. Episodes of the New European Podcast are now out every Thursday. If you enjoyed this one, please subscribe and you can rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. If you want to enjoy more podcasts from the New European, please do check out Charlie Conley's Great European Lives. And if you want to enjoy more from the New European, visit our new website and join us by subscribing, theneweuropean.co.uk slash subscribe. On social media, you can join our Facebook readers group. You can follow us on Twitter, at The New European. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. And until the next time we meet, so long, snowflakes.